a lot of the times on, on client work, there's kind of this, this balance of pushing what you can do with the technology and with the design, but also, you know, falling back on established regular patterns. Um, depending on the client, you can you can kind of weigh the scale to, to either end. But with work that you're doing by yourself, self-initiated projects, you can really, you know, any any the, the world's open to you, right? Date June 2015, episode 118 with Kyle Fiedler, digital product designer and chief design officer at ThoughtBot in Philadelphia. Kyle is one of the early designers at ThoughtBot, is known for his work in bourbon. He also has a podcast called Tentative and designs a lot of stuff related to baseball. His blog posts are awesome too. This episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Media Temple. In your opinion, what makes a good designer? Yeah, no, that's a challenging question. This is a, it's a really good question. My, my gut reaction to that is a good designer is someone that has a high standard for what they're producing, but they also follow a have, a have a process that they're really confident in to get to that solution. And throughout that process, they're you know focusing on user outcomes. Uh, I think we're going to talk about jobs to be done, but basically the jobs to be done for the user. Yeah, I guess <laughs> that's my gut reaction. <laughs> What would you say is a good guideline for saying no in your designs? I think for for saying no, it's it's usually a conversation with the client and making sure that the conversation is based around going back to the job to be done, based around you know the the expected user experience and making sure that you know the problem, the job that we're we're solving for, the design or the feature, whatever we're talking about. Usually I'm saying no to features and not more design work. So that like making sure that that feature is, is, is directly solving that, that job to be done. And otherwise it's either something that we'll table for later or just totally get rid of. Mm -hmm. But how do you say no in terms of visual design to leave stuff out? I, I think it goes back to, to those like, like making sure that you have the right features on the page. The, the visual design is just, for me, is, a, is another layer of polish and another, it's a tool to making a good user experience. So going back to like making sure that, you know, if it's on the page, you know, what's the most important thing that the user is going to do? What are we doing on the page that's, that's solving the job? How are we enabling them to do the job to be done better? What other questions would you consider most important for your design work? Uh, I ask myself tons of questions throughout the design process, but they all kind of go back to that one of, you know, is how important is this to solving the user's problem? How important is this to solving that job? So I, th I think for me that that's like the gold standard and, and making sure that, you know, the most important things to, to getting them to, to get the job done um, as, you know, quickly or as delightfully as possible is what I'm shooting for. How would you recommend to improve as a designer? Just produce a ton of work. You know, I continue to have a lot of side projects that, that I do. Baseball related? <laughs> a lot of them are baseball related. So that to me is where, you know, I got, I believe, I think I got my foot in the door because I used to do a blog post every month. And with that blog post, I would redesign, do these art directed posts and 
at the time it was, it was the kind of like cliche popular thing to do. But those experiments really helped me get a great grasp on doing HTML and CSS. They also you know, gave me the, the flexibility to really experiment with design in the browser and you know, push the limits on what I could do. Because a lot of the times on, on client work, there's kind of this balance of pushing what you can do with the technology with the design, but also you know, falling back on established regular patterns. Um, depending on the client, you can, you can kind of weigh the scale to, to either end. But with work that you're doing by yourself, self-initiated projects, you can really, you know, any, any, the, the world's open to you, right? You can really experiment and, and push the limits of design and implementing that design. James Edward Gray offered access to his screencast about the less code movement and how to actively read code. You can win this giveaway by leaving feedback for this podcast on iTunes. Good or bad, any feedback is super welcome. Then tweet me the username from your rating and the price is possibly yours. I promise to randomly select a winner without any significant bias. Hurry, this goodie will not be up forever. For years, Mintetempo Script Service has been the web hosting choice of more designers, developers, and creative professionals than any other platform. A single grid account can host anything from your portfolio site to 100 different client projects, and a grid is ready for anything. Hundreds of servers work together in the cloud to keep your sites online, even if you suddenly hit the front page of Reddit. Also check out their new WordPress hosting product, as well as their launching of Google Apps for Work. Virtual private server solutions are also available with their DV and DB developer hosting plans. You can use the promo code SCREEN25 for 25% off web hosting. Go to mediatemple.net and enter your promo code upon sign-up. Thanks for listening. What do you think about the importance of having mentors, especially in the early days where it's more difficult to judge your own work, I guess? Yeah, I've actually never really had a very strong mentor. I think the, the strongest mentor I've had has been Chad, and he's not very design driven. But a great mentor. <laughs> yes, he is. I don't think that's necessary. I think, you know, it's, it's just, it, it certainly will help along the process, but it's certainly not necessary. I think just diving in and doing design is the best way to, to continue to, to really improve. And having, I think one of the things, because I didn't have a mentor is, is just kind of relying on my own design sense and knowing knowing that it's really not there yet. You know, I know Ira Glass has this, I forget where he did this, but there's a, a video. A, a, yeah, the Vimeo video that, that's been made afterwards is, is great about how, you know, you start off, you know, having this good taste from, from a storyteller point of view, but um, you can really apply it to design. So you, you start off with great taste, but you don't have the tools yet or, or the ability yet to really get to that, that level. And it's just, for me, it was just about doing a ton of work and really, I still don't think I'm at the level where I where I'm really wish I, I could be, but... Um, I think good people never do. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. How do you work with uh, design apprentices? Imagine it must differ quite a bit from a developer apprenticeship where pairing all the time makes maybe more sense. Yeah. I honestly haven't been with an apprentice in a very long time. We haven't had one in Philly, but I think it's a combination of you know what that's the apprentice's goals are. 
Um, so if, if they are trying to build up their front end, a pairing there makes a lot more sense. If it's doing more visual design or some of the, the earlier things, the, the business strategy, the communication aspect, those are things that are a little harder and to pair on. But certainly things like wireframing, prototype, you know, we're still trying to find the balance of, you know, what's, what's good for each individual designer, uh, the mentor, and what's good for the, the mentee. And I think what's really nice about the apprentice program is it take, totally takes that into account. You know, you, the, the designer, the mentor, and the, the mentee, the apprentice, you know, can figure that out together. We, we have, usually we'll have like weekly meetings with the, the, between the two of them and really figure out like what went right, what went wrong. And throughout the time that they're together, they usually get into some sort of rhythm. Um, but we also have a bunch of ways to like build in feedback and, and really educate depending on, again, depending on, you know, what, what they feel are their weaknesses and what they're trying to grow at. I remember from blog posts or something that uh, part of your apprenticeship is that people get new mentors every couple of weeks, right? Every two, four weeks. Is that true? Yeah. Uh, it, the, the apprenticeship is three weeks. Um, oh, three months. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> three months and we, they have three mentors. So one a month. Mm -hmm. But how does this work in small offices where you only have maybe one designer? They either have mentors outside of their office or they have one mentor the entire time. Outside the office, you mean remote mentoring? Yep. So, you know, doing things with a, a designer from another office, working basically remote mentorship. And it, it works about the same. You know, the, the tools that we have available to us now are, are really great to be able to, you know, communicate really effectively without being face-to-face. -face. But I think when that does happen, we've, you know, usually had them visit or, you know, try to have some sort of more physical, you know, contact rather than, than just digital. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And aside from apprenticeships, is there a special over the years refined onboarding process for new people joining the team that um, you can talk about? Um, I can talk about the design, how, how we've changed onboarding for designers. And this is actually one of the things that I did you know, that I feel like helped me get into the position I'm in now. What we do for designers is after their interview, after we've hired them, um, they'll usually talk with me for, you know, a little bit so I can get a sense of who they are and where their skill set lies and what they're really passionate about. And I think historically designers at ThoughtBot have had a hard time trying to find projects for investment. So I, I try and guide them to those. Everyone Basically, we have people come in on a Friday, which is an investment day. So they, you know, get get to know the team a little bit better. It's not as serious, not as, you know, there, there's no risk on a Friday to, uh, as a like what to do. And then they can spend the time getting their computer set up. Um, we have Friday lunches, which are bop bop buys everyone lunch. Outside or catered in? Uh, it depends on the size of the office. Our bigger offices normally get catered lunch i think our smaller offices usually go either go or, or get get something a lot, a lot more tailored to them so but th that's totally meant to you know be an easy way to, to ease into the you know their job designers will get you know sketchbook some 
pens and other other goodies and uh, everyone gets a, a new laptop and then I think one of the things that we're trying to do too is like one of the again one of the things that designers are, are basically in charge of is, is leading the design sprint and so having them sit in on a design sprint before they have to lead one has been fairly su successful so that they don't have the pressure on them uh, their first design sprint to, to, to lead that. Thank you.